Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, February the 17th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today is President's Day. I'll come back to that in a moment. Today, on February 17th, 1801, the U.S. House of Representatives broke an electoral tie between Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr. They elected Jefferson as president and made Burr the vice president. I think that was a good choice. Today, in 1815, the United States and Britain exchanged the instruments of ratification for the Treaty of Ghent that ended the War of 1812. Today, in 1863, the International Red Cross was founded in uh, Geneva, Switzerland. And today, in 1925, the New Yorker magazine hit the newsstands for the first time, 15 cents a copy. Today, in 1933, same day, years later, Newsweek magazine was first published under the title News-Week. Now we know it as just plain old Newsweek magazine. A lot of what's in it really isn't news. It's opinion. And I don't agree with much of their opinion. But it all started today in 1933. Today, 1938, the first color TV was demonstrated in London. A little faded. Colors weren't sharp, but... They weren't just black and white either. 1938. Today, 1959, the U.S. launched our first, or it was the first, no one else had done this, but we launched the first weather station, a satellite in space, Vanguard 2. And today, in 1972, President Richard Nixon departed the White House. His wife, Pat, was with him. Historic trip to China. Today would probably not be a good day to go to China, but... Back then, it seemed like the thing to do. Today, 1986, Johnson & Johnson announced that they would no longer sell over-the-counter medications in capsule form following the death of a woman who had taken a cyanide-laced Tylenol capsule. Well, thank you for your kind remarks, the cards, birthday cards that I received the end of last week and over the weekend. Yes, I had a birthday over the weekend. And uh, just thank you for the kind words, the encouragement, and and all. It it means a great deal to me. Birthdays, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait for my next birthday. Now I'm trying to dig in my feet and slow the whole thing down a little bit. I mean, I want to have birthdays. I know what the the alternative to that is, but I don't want them to come quite as quickly as they do, but they did. And thank you so much for your kind remarks and all of that. I got one. I got to share this with you. I thought it was funny. Maybe you won't think it's funny, but I did. From this couple that support us every month, as so many of you do, and that listen, and thank you so much. But I got this note. They they said, Gary, happy birthday. We sent a check to the ministry for the amount that we think is your age. Now, if you're really 39, we would like a refund. <laughs> 
Well, you won't be getting a refund because I'm not 39. I don't think I've ever said I was 39. I might have implied that, but I always like to say I'm over 40. And that's safe. That's an honest statement. And it's it's safe. But anyway, thank you. Thank you so much. Pete Buttigieg, boy, he's feeling good about himself. I mean, he should be. He's highly underqualified to be president of the United States. He's highly educated. He's a real trendsetter. He's becoming the darling of a good part of the left. He's the former South Bend, Indiana, small town, really an upside down town as far as politically is concerned. He did not do a good job as mayor there by all accounts, but nonetheless, he got elected. But he is um, kind of distinguishing himself. One is highly educated, well-spoken, young, and um, a homosexual married to his husband, Rush Limbaugh, who, as you know, announced recently that he has, uh, I think it's, is it fourth stage cancer? I believe very, very severe situation for Rush. And President Trump honored him at the State of the Union uh, address. In fact, gave him an honor. Uh, Trump's wife did uh, in the event there, in the State of the Union address. But... uh, Limbaugh, he may be very sick, but he's not out yet. And he was saying, I think it was Friday, uh, he was talking about Buttigieg and how the Democrats seem so enamored with him, but they don't think in the end, he doesn't think they'll they'll elect him as their nominee uh, for the party. He says, um, he said that, uh, he said, I don't think the Democrats are ready for their candidate to be kissing his husband on stage. And um, he went on to say that, uh, he, uh, he, he said, I, I just don't think they're ready for that. And he characterized on his pr- uh, program on, on, I think it was Thursday of last week, near the end of last week, he said, uh, Limbaugh said on his radio show, he said, Democratic voters might be thinking, suggesting they may not believe a, a gay man can be elected president. Limbaugh said, they're saying, okay, how's this going to look? 37-year-old gay guy kissing his husband on stage next to Mr. Man, Donald Trump. Well, that's, you know, that that really doesn't fit in the political correctness. Limbaugh never has tried to fit into that. I suppose at this point he probably would try even less. But the mayor, <laughs> Pete, he was on, of course, on the CNN over the weekend, he's on CNN all the time because they they have adopted him. But anyway, he said they asked him about it, and Buttigieg said yesterday on CNN, he said, "I love my husband. I'm faithful to my husband. I'm going to take. I'm not going to take lectures on family values from the likes of Rush Limbaugh." And he went on to say that he is electable and that America has evolved to where now who a person is married to doesn't matter as long as you love that person. Oh, boy. Well, Bernie Sanders is uh, in Seattle today, as many of you know, and actually in the Seattle area. He's actually in Tacoma. He's going to be at the Tacoma Dome tonight. But he he was in Nevada yesterday, Bernie Sanders. And again, this is... I probably shouldn't even tell you this on the, I mean, it, but it happened. It's in the news. 
But anyway, Bernie is being Bernie on the stage in Carson City, Nevada yesterday. And as he was just getting ready to introduce his wife, she was on stage with him, a, a, a woman came on stage. She was fully clothed. But this woman came on stage and she grabbed the microphone away from Bernie. And she said, I'm your biggest supporter, and I'm here to ask you to stop propping up the dairy industry and to stop propping up animal agriculture. She said, "She said I believe in you. Well, at that point, when she said, I believe in you, three topless women came up the stairs onto the stage. <laughs> and, and the video, the video from that event shows that Sanders was panicking and he was waving his arms and some of his staff to get these people off the stage and the staff didn't want to touch the women. And it was kind of a awkward moment. I thought it was hilarious. But anyway, uh, they finally got these women off the stage, but not before the women came up on stage and they were pouring this red colored stuff that was supposed to be like blood. I, it, I'm sure it wasn't, but anyway, it was supposed to look like blood. They were pouring this red colored liquid on themselves as they were being led away. And Bernie, Bernie was standing there speechless. He didn't know what to say. So anyway, I don't think that'll happen to him in Tacoma tonight, but we'll see what happens. Bloomberg, Bloomberg has spent over $100 million on television ads. He has now opened offices in across the country, but in Washington State as well, in Seattle and in Spokane, and he will soon be opening at least one more in the state. He's on a roll, he thinks. We'll see what happens. But that's what's that's a snapshot of what's happening today around the country. Pretty amazing stuff. Michelle Obama infamously said, while her husband was running for the Democratic nomination for the presidency, he was then a um, senator from Illinois. She took the microphone back in 2008. Michelle Obama said, for the first time in my adult life, I'm really proud of my country. Well, there's a few other reasons to be proud of our country besides Barack's political ambitions, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that today on this President's Day. In fact, there's a whole lot of reasons to be proud of our country. Not because it's perfect, not because America hasn't made mistakes over the years, but because America is what it is, and it's unique. It is an exceptional nation. It is highly blessed of God, prosperous, free, more so than any other nation in the history of the world. But before the Wisconsin primary in mid-February of 2008, Time Magazine was the first to report it, but many others did following that, and they went into great lengths to explain that she wasn't in any way being critical of her nation. Well, she's very critical of this nation, except during Barack's presidency. But she made this statement. This is the complete statement, in fairness. For the first time in my adult life, I am really proud of my country because it feels like hope is finally making a comeback. I wrote an article on this today. I would encourage you to go to it. I've sourced everything that I'm saying today on the radio, and I've sourced what I wrote in this same article. You can take a look at it more in depth if you'd like, and there's video clips from Michelle Obama saying that and other pictures that are um, helpful to understanding and, and sources, as I said, to help understand more what I'm talking about than I have time to really get into any single day on the radio. But most Americans are aware that today is President's Day, and they 
they may know that it's a day set aside to honor our presidents. But for many, today is another holiday to kick back and enjoy a three-day weekend, just like you and I are doing now. President's Day celebrates a remarkable fact, though, of our nation's history that all of us can and should be proud of, whether or not our spouse is running for the presidency. But it all started with President Washington. You can find this information at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website. If you go to faithandfreedom.us, first thing you'll see is what I'm talking about right now. And it's sourced. And you, you can look at the whole speech of President Washington, his farewell, if you'd like, and I would encourage you to do so. But there's so much to be proud of in America. President, President's Day celebrates a remarkable fact of our nation's history. For 244 years, power has been transferred, for example, power has been transferred peacefully from one United States president to the next, 44 times. Oh yeah, we have a lot of carrying on politically, none more than right now in 2020 and this election coming up this year. But yet there has never been a coup. I mean, there's been political attempts at a coup recently, but not like other countries. I remember I was in missionary work. I was in Mozambique. They've changed the name of the city, but the capital city was Lorenzo Marx at that time. And I had flown in there and we were working in villages and starting churches and preaching and, and building little buildings for them to meet in and all this kind of thing. And we, we had done that all over the, the world for a number of years. And and I was in Lorenzo Marx, and I didn't know anything was going on there. But I woke up the next morning in the, the city, such as it is, and and there were thousands of, of army guys with um, machine guns. And they were all up and down the streets. And I, I didn't speak. Portuguese, and so I was having a hard time understanding. As soon as I got a hold of a missionary that spoke both languages, I said, what in the world's going on? He said, oh, there's a transfer of power today. He said, it's kind of like the United States. I said, man, this isn't like the United States. He said, well, it is out here. He said, this is would be called a peaceful transfer of power. And um, over the years, I learned that he was right. That would have been a peaceful, but it didn't look very peaceful to me. I don't know if any shots were fired, but boy, they were on standby with their machine guns, and it wasn't just a parade. There were several thousand military people standing up and down the streets for this peaceful transfer of power. Portugal was giving the country over to local leadership, and it was and remained peaceful of sorts, but not like we know peaceful transfer of power here in the United States. I remember I've been in other countries of the world in during those years that I was involved in missionary ministry and I've seen not so peaceful transfers of power. You go to bed at night, you pray that God will protect you while you sleep, he does. You wake up the next morning and find that there's a new government and everything has changed. And somebody was come up missing overnight or shot and dragged off to the nearest ravine. I mean, it's it's not good. And many times, we, when people travel, and a lot of people in our country do travel, they go they and and as they probably should for say, but they go to some of these 
de- underdeveloped countries or third world countries in some case, and, and they see that the things that are prepared for the tourists and they leave and they think, why, my, this is a wonderful little country. Well, it may be a wonderful little country, but when you get there and you live in the fabric of the culture, you see how it really works. And it's not like you see from the cruise ship or when you fly in and you stay at Hotel A and the tour guide takes you to spots A, B, C, and D. I'm not saying that's not fun and a good idea for people who want to do that. I'm simply saying you don't have a real view of what these countries are about. But I will tell you, there is not another nation like America. I don't care what Brad Pitt and all those people from Hollywood say. If Trump's elected, I'm leaving the country. Well, good. Just leave and have fun and take your gun because you'll probably need it in many of the countries. They just aren't like America. They really aren't. No matter what the left says about them, no matter how much the left says, oh, we want to be like whatever, America is blessed deeply, graciously blessed by God because of certain decisions that we've made from the very inception of this country. It began with President Washington. September 1796, George Washington was kind of worn out by the burdens of the presidency and the attacks by his political foes. And yes, he did. He had political foes. He had people that thought he wasn't a good president. They didn't want him to be president. And they were working to get him removed as president. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? George Washington announced his decision not to seek a third term as president. There was no precedent of how long a president should serve. Their only real experience had been with the king of England, and they didn't want any of that. So George Washington announced his decision. He said, I will not be seeking a third term as president. He knew that as the first president of the United States, of our new nation, that he would have the unique opportunity to set a kind of a historic precedent as far as creating two terms as being enough for one leader. No matter how good or bad they may be, it's time for them to move on. If they can get elected for a second term, fine. But after that, no. We need somebody else. We don't want a monarchy and we don't want a king. They had had that. They crossed the ocean to get away from it. So he put that in motion. With the assistance of Alexander Hamilton and James Madison, Washington composed what we know as his farewell address. It was a letter written, his political testament to the nation. And it's one that every one of us should read. Now, I don't have time to read it on this program today, but again, it's it's linked in this article. Washington's address included his very, very carefully thought out counsel to the American people as they would ensure the success of this great American experiment. He wanted to strongly remind them that religion and morality, and this thread ran through his farewell speech, religion and morality must remain the foundation and the fabric of our nation. He said things like this, Of all the dispensations and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain, President Washington wrote, would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens, the mere politician, equally with the pious man, ought to respect and to cherish them. And then later in his message, his farewell message, he said, And let us with caution 
indulged the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of, of peculiar uh, structure, reason, and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. He made the case not to try to strip religion, particularly Christianity is what he was talking about, out of this nation. Our very first president. We're, today we are celebrating our presidents, in particular our first, George Washington. He told the nation, don't try to strip religion out of the public marketplace. Because if you do, we will become an immoral nation and we will become like all the other nations. It's substantially true, he said, that virtue or morality is a necessary spring of popular government. The rule indeed extends with more or less force to every species of free government. Who that is a sincere friend to it can look with indifference upon attempts to shake the foundation of the fabric. He said, don't become indifferent. If we try to strip religion out of the fabric of our nation, we will become we will become a disintegrating nation like all the rest of them have. You should also know that since 1896, Washington's farewell address has been read every year from the floor of the Senate by a United States senator. It'll happen this year on February 22nd. His farewell address was 7,641 words. I found it heartwarming, to say the least, when President Trump went to the Daytona 500 yesterday, he flew in. He, Trump, Trump likes theatrics. I mean, he knows how to promote stuff. He flew in on Air Force One yesterday. I mean, it looked like he was going to fly through the stands where the people are. 100,000 people at the Daytona 500 race yesterday. It eventually got rained out, and they're continuing it today. They're concluding it today. But he was there as the Grand Marshal. Well, he flew in on Air Force One. and it, I mean, he they flew 800 feet over the track when he came in. I mean, that gets a lot of attention, this humongous big airplane, United States of America on it. And I put a picture of it in that article I referred to that I wrote today and published. But, uh, I mean, it looks like it's going to go through the stand, but everything was fine. They knew what they were doing. But he flew in. But he gave a very short speech. And in that speech, with what I'm talking about now in mind, I, I caught his phrase. I mean, it was just a few minutes long. It wasn't much. Um, and he said that famous line, gentlemen, start your engines, you know, as they do at the race there. But the one thing, the people were shouting USA, USA, and it was a very favorable crowd for the president, of course. Four more years, four more years, and so on. But aside from all the theatrics and the president's announcement of the famous words, start your engine, I saw a continuity among our presidents from 1 to 45 president. In his very short speech, he told the crowd in the country, he said, NASCAR fans... Never forget that no matter who wins the race, what matters most is God, family, and country. Now, you can think what you want of Trump, but did you ever hear that from Obama, for example, even though Obama warmed his wife's heart and hopes for America? No. 
You never heard that. You heard apologies for what was wrong with America, but you never heard. You never heard statements like that. As I said, Bernie Sanders is going to is in Seattle today. He's actually in Tacoma at the Dome, but he's in town. The Seattle PI said last night, they said the appearance of the Democratic Socialist candidate was announced on Facebook by his most prominent surrogate in Washington, U.S. Representative Pramila Jayapal. (laughs) Jayapal said, and I'm quoting her, she said, spread the word. Let's stand up for our multi-ethnic, multi-generational, and multi-gender. Yeah, multi-gender. I know what God said, but he said he created male and female. But Jayapal is appealing to how many genders are there? I don't know. But anyway, she said, our multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-gender vision for America. She said, come on out, everyone. This is our movement. And it is their movement. I agree 100%. It's Bernie's movement. It's Elizabeth Warren's movement. It's Pete Buttigieg's movement. But it's not what George Washington had in mind. It's not the nation that Washington and all those other guys founded under the influence and certainly the the counsel of God himself because they looked at Scripture for basic principles on which to found this nation. That's not at all what George Washington envisioned for America, but it is the vision of many of these people who want to be one of the presidents in the line of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and others. Bernie doesn't even consider religion and morality based on religious beliefs as the foundation and fabric of our society. Washington said, beware of that. He said, don't let that happen. Bernie's been asked a hundred times, if at all, what, what is your religious position? At first, he said, what he first ran back in 2016, I remember a couple of times where I heard him say myself, well, I don't have really any religious beliefs. And he said, I, I guess I'm an atheist. Well, he got a lot of blowback from that, even from the far left. They said, oh, no, you got to have some kind of belief. So he kind of evolved, and he's he's kind of Jewish, but he doesn't practice Judaism, but his religion he says, is, is in, not in, in, his religion is not based in, in biblical or religious beliefs, but it's, it's kind of based in his philosophy, these are his words, and his, and statistics. In fact, CNN tried to pin him down back in 2016, and they finally concluded, they said, CNN, quote, nobody would mistake Bernie Sanders' stump speech for a sermon when making moral arguments about income equality or climate change, he's more likely to quote statistics than scripture. But Bernie said, and CNN concluded back then and have since then, it doesn't really matter. In fact, CNN said, quote, who cares whether he spends his Saturdays at a show or a socialist rally? We want to know what his policies are. That is in absolute direct contradiction to what the founding father, first president of America, warned us against. That's the time in which we live today. So celebrate President's Day and know how important it is that we get involved in the elective franchise.
Thank you so much for being with me today. It's always an honor. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. We're here because of the support of people like you. Thank you so much. I'll look forward to seeing you right here tomorrow.